Hi, and welcome to She's the Boss Chats. I'm your host, Jules Brooke, and in the show, I interview amazing women and female founders about what it is that they're doing and why they're doing it. It's all about us lifting up the women around us. Frances Pratt, I am very, very excited to have you on the She's the Boss Chats podcast. Thank you so much, Jules. Um, when you said I'm going to start from the beginning, I thought, ooh, that's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because this is all about you and your entrepreneur journey. And I've, only, I've probably known you now for, I'd say, 10 years. I think um, so. So I think you were just setting up Kiss to Sell. That's right. And so that was launched um, two weeks before my first baby was born. Which was? Uh, eight years. Uh, Eight and a half years ago. And wow. so because when you have a baby, you've got nothing to do. No, that's right. So you think I might as well set up a business That's at the it. Same time. I was clearly delusional. <laughs> I needed to give birth to this before the real one came out. All right. Well, look, let's start with tell everyone what it is that you do now. Okay. Um, yeah. So I love selling and everything to do with selling. And I love a woman so who that's says cold that. calling, it's client interactions, it's those tricky questions that everybody else hates. Um, I love them. And uh, I think that I found something that I love more than that. It's helping people who hate it or tell me that they hate it, turning them around and making them love it too. So that's oh, my what a great, great. What a great business and a great thing to say. I reckon almost half the women listening to this must have just flinched when you said sales for a I start. know. So please don't turn off. I promise. I promise. I promise. This is going to be fun. I will move you on that dial through this conversation. I promise. Well, this conversation is actually not about you and your sales. It's about you and what you've done. So, so your business. So tell people what the name of your business is. So and, Kiss to and Sell. Thank you, Jules. Um, I'm in okay. sales. I should do that automatically. <laughs> Kiss to Sell is the name of my business. Keep it simple. Skills uh, for yep. your sales success. And you've got Metasan as well. Isn't that the one yeah. that you do for big corporates? Yes. So that's my consulting business where I work with bigger um, businesses with sales teams and and. Uh, Great, because time. we'll have some women listening, I'm sure, who've got some of those as well. But tell me, why did you set it up in the first place? So that's an interesting story. I, um, I was part owner in an IT business and we were turning over about six mil. Good God. Yeah. Were you, were you one of the co-founders of that business? No, they brought me in to um, help them with sales. Right. So I said to them, they, they originally approached me and said, would you like to be a sales manager for us? And I said, well, only if there's equity on the table. To which right. they fell off their chairs, and um, I was going to say, "What a ballsy thing to say!" Yes. I love it. Well, I was over working for uh, businesses who didn't appreciate their salespeople, so I thought if I was a one of the owners, then I could make a difference. So that was where that mindset I... came from. Right. So. So they said yes. Right. <laughs> and then, so, but why did you set up Kiss to Sell? It so then. A number of years later, uh, we were at six million turnover, and our biggest client was worth two million, and we made the decision to sack them. Right. And so we Ooh, did love that. that too. Why? I know, right? Because <laughs> were they just unbearable to deal with? They were un unbearable's too strong, but they were certainly taking us away from our strategic direction, and they were being really demanding. They were right. dictating to us 
uh, who they would, which individual employees they would work with. Right. And so that then curtailed our ability to do the other things that we wanted to do. So we sat and we thought, and we'd done a lot of restructuring and we'd re- we were so clear on our strategic direction that it was just like the elephant in the room. It sounds like the most impossible decision to make, but it was actually made really quickly and really easily because we were so clear. And yeah. so then from that decision, if you cut $2 million out of revenue, you kind of need to make some decisions about which people need to be cut. So um, what we did was we started from the customer rather than thinking, right, well, our three jobs are great and, sa- and safe. Yeah. We thought, who are our customers and what roles do we need to help them? And then we thought, what other functions do we need in the business to support those people who are supporting our customers? And where is there a little bit of growth? And in that process, there ended up being no role for me. I'd done what right. I needed to do in that business. Right. And so then I basically sacked myself. <laughs> and gave yourself an opportunity. Right. And so then everybody who's ever done... So while I was working full-time over the past, you know, the previous 17 years, I'd done a graduate certificate in change management and I'd done an MBA with Melbourne Business School and every good MBA person with an MBA, right, becomes a consultant. So that's what I was going to do. I was going to become a consultant. And so I set up Medisan um, and Medisan, people always say to me, what does that mean? Yeah, I was going to say, what does it mean? It doesn't mean anything. (laughs) I made the word up. So Metis is the Greek muse of wisdom and good counsel. So I figured if an artisan can do art, then a metasan can do meta. So I do wisdom and good counsel for clients. That's kind of where oh, that name. Oh, what a clever name. <laughs> and um, she was actually Zeus's first wife. And oh, a girl to, as well. We love women. I know. So she used <laughs> to lie down with Zeus and he'd tell her all of his God problems and she would solve them for him like we do. And, and then uh, you say, aren't I clever that I managed to come up with that myself? I know, but then <laughs> Zeus got worried that she knew too much and so he ate her. Oh. That's okay. That's what happens when you hang with the gods, you know? Yeah, okay. Yep. And spiders, I think, Athena, also do that. who's the uh, goddess of war and also wisdom, um, yes. was born out of Zeus's head and um, she is... Metis's daughter. So because Zeus ate Metis, then Athena was born. So there you have it. There you go. A quick snap, a snap lesson on the Greek gods. I love that. Um, so, so was there a light bulb moment that you suddenly thought, I'm going to set up Kiss to Sell? Well, what happened was it took me about three months. I was so sick of selling Right. That I thought, I'm just going to go and consult and I, I, I've got a great network and I'm going to go and talk to people. So I went and talked to people and said, what's your problem? And so I helped people, uh, one company with a board, two people on the board who were just at loggerheads. So I helped them sort that out. I was good right. at it. I got a result. I hated it. I thought, right. okay, what's next? So I did a couple of those sort of jobs where I was able to do it. I got a good result, but I hated it. Right. And then someone approached me and said, hey, I really need to set up my sales systems. I went, I could do that. So this is a small business owner or a, another big he business? He was an IT um, business and he needed right. to have salespeople and also resellers. And, and, and I'd been in that world for 17 years, so I knew it inside and out. 
So I went and helped him and that's when I started and in the, in the doing sales again. And then every time I'd do something, some, somebody would say to me, oh, Fran, you're really good at asking questions or you're really good at dealing with that or you're really good at whatever it was. And I go, yeah. oh, okay, tell me about that. Why am I good at that? Because to me, it was intuitive. I'd, I'd learnt it. I did it. I did it without like breathing. Unco- unconsciously almost, yeah. Exactly. And so what, my, what happened when my clients were helping me unpack what made me great at selling. And so every time I came across one of these gems, I'd write it down. Right. And that became Kiss to Sell. So I constructed the course out of really what I knew to be fantastic selling. What I knew was all of the elements of, you know, not this used car salesman pushy rubbish, but actually the elements of, of great selling. And then I used my uh, learnings around change management and psychology to yep. help people understand why that was happening. And so that's one of the things that I think is really different about what I do is it's not just I'm telling you to do A, B, C. It's, well, here's what you can do. This is why it makes you feel this way. And this is how it makes your client feel. Or, you know, if something's happening and clients not responding the way you think they will, I can help you understand why. Well, why are they responding that way? How are they feeling? Why does that response make sense to them? And then what can you do about that? Right. Yeah. Oh, I'm hooked. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so from that moment, um, you started your business. So now I want you to wind right the way back to high school because I bet when you left school, you you didn't say, I want to have a sales business when I grow up. So how did it happen? What did you do at school? What was growing up like and what was your journey? Yeah, well, I want to take you back further than that because I was... Oh, go on. I was born... (laughs) I was born... I was one of five kids, still am one of five kids, and I'm a twin. So I had three older brothers mm, and a twin sister. Right. And my dad's an economist and my mum's a lawyer. So highly intellectual, highly introverted family. Right, introverted though. Yeah, all of them. High nerds, I call them. I love nerds and I say nerds with a deep sense of respect. With huge love. love. (laughs) Absolutely. But they can't communicate. Right. Or they they often struggle to communicate. So here's all these people who don't really communicate very well and then there's me who's just like, I I was the connector. I always got everyone talking. My mum said to me that you could always put me in a room where nobody knew anybody else and I'd get everyone talking. Yep. So that's what... I think that's my secret skill too. Yeah. Perfect. Right. And so I learnt that from childhood. So it was kind of um, born inside me. And then when I was about nine, my dad, we were living in Canberra and my dad moved the whole family up to Casino which is the far north coast of New South Wales, a town of about 10,000 people. I was going to say very small, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Yeah, from Canberra. Look, if anyone could see your face right now. Right, so yeah. was that good or bad? Well, I, was, I, I started grade five in casino, so I didn't really know. I was just going with mum and dad. But it was fundamental change to our family. And right, the right. reason we did that is because my dad... Uh, left the public service and set up his own business exporting beef to the world. 
Wow, that's a change. Isn't yes. It? And so here and are so was the... it a farm in Casino? No, we like lived in town. Like a beef cattle farm? Casino has a big abattoir, which is why we were there. And it also yep. has a great... All the hinterlands around that area, a great beef producing country. Yeah. And so... But didn't you say he was an economist? Yes. I'm just wondering what the leap was to go from oh, being an economist so to a farmer. he grew up in Kyogle, which is a smaller okay. town again, just past right. Casino. Right, And so that was in his blood. And he also decided... So in 1979, he decided yeah. that he was going to supply tasty, tender, clean, lean beef. So mm-hmm. hormone growth promoting free, grass-fed... Um, Organic, Before his time. Really. In 1979. <laughs> yeah. yeah, wow. Right? And not only that, he bought his cattle, or he set up a model over time to buy his cattle directly from the, from the farmers and right. not via the sale yards. So he pissed a whole lot of people off. Yeah, I bet. He, he created a whole new model, a whole new industry. Um, he was the first ever exporter to export chilled beef because most of our beef export is frozen but you can't do that with high quality cuts like like fillet steak you can't freeze okay. it. you can't freeze it well you can but it actually changes in the process of freezing and unfreezing it changes the molecular structure and therefore t- oh, okay. changes the taste and oh, so nice. if you're selling to five-star restaurants and and those caliber you do not it's no. it's it's fresh or cryvacked yeah yeah, so, so he did the first ever chilled export into Canada, Singapore, China, Korea, all of How these. How interesting. Yeah, yeah, fascinating, right? And yeah, yeah. He's a very open man. So every time I was learning something at school or then at university, I'd come home and he'd go, well, what did you learn? And we'd apply it. So we had right. a mission statement. And, a, you know, <laughs> when I did marketing, we did marketing. <laughs> it was... He, he really helped me to understand what an entrepreneur is, the risks that they take, the stress yeah. of it, um, but also the rewards and, and, that, right. and that absolute um, persistence to that vision. Wow, amazing. See, I love these stories. I, I know. never would have picked that for you. He is, so, he is amazing. So you're in grade five in casino and your dad's off doing whatever. So what was life like and what happened after that? So we were, I went to high school in casino. My dad, so my mum was a solicitor and she yeah. was partner in a law firm in casino. So again, early 80s, she's a woman. Um, so she had people walk in, uh, men walk in and her office and say, and turn around and say, can I speak to the real say, lawyer, please? Yeah, and turn around and say, I want to see a man. Yeah, right. <laughs> so. Wouldn't be able to get away with that now. They say it in a different way, but I think the same sentiment is there. Well, a lot of I the think time. there's less people that feel that way. Yeah, um, yeah. But I guess small town and farming community as well is going oh, to absolutely. play into that too. Absolutely. And it wasn't just that, you know, even the district judges and stuff r- responded differently to my mum. Um, you know, when my mum graduated, she actually graduated from Melbourne University. She was in the, in Canberra, but, uh, the ANU then was part of Melbourne University. She topped Melbourne law and won the medal, but the actual physical, she actually co-won it with a man. The actual physical medal was given to the man. Of course it was. 
Amazing. And they wouldn't have thought to maybe just offer two medals if they've got a co-winners. Her, winners. Name, her name's on the website, on the Melbourne yeah. Uni roller. And on the boards, honor. hopefully, in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so here I have um, two entrepreneurs as parents. Yeah. Um, and I think that really made me different. Yes. Because must have yeah two two different examples but but both entrepreneurial in their own way and so then uh, I went to boarding school I got sent off to boarding school for year eleven and twelve where was boarding school in Bris Vegas oh right um, yeah Somerville House Brisbane High School okay. for girls. <laughs> Where they turn out nice, well, well-behaved women. <laughs> right. Well, what's, that's where I first met Beck Derrington. Right. We went to school Who, together. For anyone who's listening is the family oh, of Sauce Bottle. And, of course, that's, that's our connection as well because I knew Beck when she first started Sauce Bottle. She right. and I launched right. our businesses on the same day, Handle Your Own PR and Sauce Bottle on the same day. Well, it's a funny she story about you. Beck's launch because yeah. I was driving in my car and I heard Kevin Rudd uh, say, fair shake of the sauce bottle, right? Yes, and I'd been talking yes. to Beck about launch, her launch. And I oh, rang so her. It was you. Yeah, I rang her and I said, oh, my God, you're launching today. She said, what are you talking about? I said, Kevin Rudd has just said this. You have to launch today. I don't care whether you're ready. <laughs> oh, I see. Because which was around April 2000. Uh, no, April 2000. And Seven? Eight. Eight. Seven. I don't know. I'm bad with dates. No, that was, I just remember sitting in a coffee shop with her the week before having been introduced. I met her through the, um, through the web company that made her website who said, because I went to them for a quote and they said, we're doing something else in the media kind of space as oh. well. <laughs> and I said, introduce me to the woman. I want to know her. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, enough about that. So tell me about, so you... Finished, so you went to boarding school. Yep, finished and school. Then, and then how did your career play out after that? Yeah, so then, uh, so at school I was sitting next to a girl when we were doing our uniforms and she put down hospitality and I right. thought, I've got no idea what I want to do, I'm going to do that too. So that's what I got into. And right. um, <laughs> Thanks, Danielle. Um, <laughs> and so... Ali and I, Ali's my twin, Ali and I took a year off after school and we lived in Brisbane and we both got jobs. So oh, I got fantastic. a hospitality job and she got a, she was going to be a lawyer. She is a lawyer. Um, right. And so she got a job with a law firm. Um, so we when you say you got a hospitality job, what were you doing? Waitressing? Yeah, to start with. Right. And, and then... Challenging with your sister doing law and your waitressing with no idea what you want to do. <laughs> Well, I was going to study hospitality. Actually, it's a really interesting story. I also, because we lived in New South Wales um, but went to school in Queensland, I actually put in two forms. I put in a Queensland University form and a New South Wales University form. And right. in New South Wales, I was interested in doing um, at Lismore, which is quite close to Casino, a radio course. It was a Bachelor of Music majoring in radio, so for radio announcers. Right. And they only took 10 people or something, some small yep. number, and you had to do a cassette um, recording of an of a example show. And right. so I did that and sent it in, and I actually got accepted. 
So at university, right. so I got accepted to two and I be- deferred both, one into hospitality, one into radio. Yeah. And the reason I didn't take the radio one in the end is because it was in Lismore and the thought of living at home just made me vomit. <laughs> which, is, which is, you know, how decisions get made when you're younger. You when are I'm making 18, those kind right? of decisions. Exactly, exactly. I wanted to go to RMIT, so I didn't care what course it was. I just wanted to be in the city. So that was my thing, <laughs> same thing. So, so what happened? So you started off in hospitality. Yeah, hospitality so I did a business degree majoring in hospitality management. I worked part-time um, in Brisbane doing catering and, and all of that sort of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And then when I left that, I went to Sydney and I got a job at the Ritz-Carlton in Double Bay. So for anyone who As knows Sydney. Oh, look, it, <laughs> the Ritz-Carlton are an amazing organisation. I'm so sad that they're no longer in Australia. but uh, Aren't they? I didn't realise they weren't here. No, they haven't been here for a number of years, um, but they are an Why amazing so organisation. Why? Because, Why are they so amazing? Because they have applied some of the foundational thinking behind continuous improvement into the service industry. So right. for anyone who knows about continuous improvement, Deming is the father of continuous improvement. And I don't know anything about it at all. Oh, Can you explain what it is? So yes, Never yes, heard yes. of it So even. Deming is an amazing man, right? So Deming, so we have to go back to World War One. So in World War One, the Germans lost and that created World War Two because they made them pay all of these war reparations, it was called, but yeah. basically a whole lot of money. They lost land, they lost money, and they had to keep paying. So they they crippled the company, which gave Hitler a, a foot in and created the animosity, which created World War Two. Right. So that's my potted history of World War One and World yeah, War no, great. But at the end of World War Two, they decided they weren't going to make the same mistake. So um, they sent a lot of experts over to places like Japan to get their industry up and running again. Yeah. Um, And Deming was one of those. So Lord Deming went to Japan and he basically taught the Japanese about continuous improvement. So when we think about Kaizen and the Toyota Way and all of that manufacturing amazingness, that comes from Deming. So can you just explain, though, what is continuous improvement? Oh, okay. So, So basically... Deming came up with the idea of plan, do, check, act. So you yeah. create a plan, you do something, you check that it's right, and then you act. And it's it's a reflexive uh, circle. So for I'm using my finger to go round in a circle. Yes. <laughs> um, and so it's it's that constantly thinking about what can I improve. Why did this happen? So one of the key mechanisms that Deming taught the Japanese was the five whys. So let's say something happens, your power goes out. Yeah. Why? Oh, because someone flicked the switch. No. Okay, well then why? Oh, well maybe it's something on the central meter. No. Okay, well then why? Well, it must be something further down the track. So that... Yeah. that you keep going until you find the root cause of what's going oh, on. Oh, okay. So you just keep asking why until you know the answer. Right. Right. And it's a great exercise actually to do with your customers or with your, or even with your team because often yeah. we just accept the first answer that we get and yeah. that doesn't really help us understand anything. Okay. Mm. Right. 
So, you, so you were at the Ritz Carlton. You oh. love it because it's got this continuous improvement. Yes, and I would. I actually helped them do that in the area that I was working in. And right, the Ritz Carlton was the first ever service business to win the Deming Award. I see. Because amazing. The, yes, yes, and they had mottos like. We are ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. Ah, nice. They had a, a, a setup whereby any individual employee can spend without consultation up to $500 to satisfy a guest. Brilliant. So if you've got someone, you know, who's cleaning the toilets and you yeah. complain to them, they can give you a free night's accommodation. Yeah, fantastic. How's that for service? Right. And if you, if you get the complaint, you own the complaint. So they had all of these models around awesome, awesome customer service that weren't yeah, just, amazing. you know, they were actually entrenched inside the business. Yeah, and fantastic. Yeah, so they were amazing, amazing. So work. how long did you last work, working with them? Three years. Okay. So, yeah, so I worked in I different areas. I just don't areas. picture you in hospo. <laughs> Pardon? I don't picture you in hospo, so it's really interesting to hear about this sort of starting point for you? Yeah. So I worked um, on the front desk. I worked in housekeeping. Um, I worked in the food and beverage areas. Yeah. No, it was lots of fun. But it's shit pay and um, shit hours. So I was ready to do something different. So I was looking. So these are the days when you actually bought the paper and there were ads in there. And you would those circle young them if you wanted listening. to contact them. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and there was a job. It, it was right. in IT for a hospitality company. And they needed all of these things. You have to be, you know, this experience and that experience. And I didn't, I had some of it, but not really all of it at all. Yeah. Maybe 50%. And so I applied and I got the job. So that was my Amazing. move. I know from... Um, working in hospitality to working in IT. Right. And so for the next six years, I worked in IT hospitality. Yep. Software, hardware, services, all of that sort of stuff. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then I moved from there to um, a cloud. So then it was about 2002. Yep. So the dot-com bubble. So I started working for a dot-com bubble company, um, totally remodeled their sales system because they were selling completely the wrong way. I was selling more than all the other six salespeople put together uh, and then wow. they went, they went sp- right. they exploded. In 2008? Is this no, sort of no, about the- 2002, the dot-com burst. So I was okay. there for nearly two years. Yep. So I and remember- what do you do when a business has, you know, like I presume it was fairly sudden, so- you yeah. went from having a job to, oh, my God, it's gone, with very little warning. Yes. Uh, that's exactly what happened. Well, I kind of knew. Uh, Not dissimilar, I would say, to what a lot of people are probably going through right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just. So what, how did you pick yourself up and what did you do from there? Well, it was a really interesting thing because I had already started, I could see what was happening. Yeah. Um, and so I'd already started interviewing um, so As in going on, for job interviews? Yeah. Yeah, right. And on the day I was retrenched, I got a job offer. I was literally Fantastic. in the pub with all my friends in Richmond 
uh, my work colleagues, because we'd all just been given the ass, yeah. um, having a beer, and I answered the phone, and I, and they offered me the job, and I said, um, "Thank you so much. Let me tell you where I am. Would it be okay if I gave you a call tomorrow?" <laughs> <laughs> a good tip for anyone: if someone rings you with an opportunity, don't always, you know, jump on it if the timing's not right. Well, and. I did end up going and working there, and I worked there for five years, um, and I really loved it. Yeah. But I didn't want to make that decision quickly. Right. And also, I was in the pub, so yeah, no, I'm well, not going to answer them. I understood. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Although I probably would have gone, yay, fantastic! Thank you very much. I'll speak to you tomorrow. <laughs> Tell me the details later. Yeah. So yeah. where did you go off to for the next five years then? So then I was working in um, selling IT again, but hardware okay. and services. So it was I, most of my clients were accountants and lawyers and people who rely on IT, and yeah. I sold all of that sort of stuff. Right. Hmm. And so what was the what? What was the reason that you left that job? Well, part of the generation or, or the germination for me consulting to people who employ salespeople is in my experience with working with companies, people really misunderstand salespeople. They don't love them. They don't value them. And there's a big mismatch there. And yep. this was a prime example. So I had been there for five years. I'd remodeled their selling. I'd set up this amazing system. I was bringing in 75% of their revenue and um, they were growing. Anyway, they needed to employ a purchasing person to buy the equipment that I was selling. Yep. And they came to me and they said, we want that to come out of your commission. Right. To uh -uh. which I said, no. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want the one word, the two word or the five word answer? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I said, no. I said, um, yes, I'm being paid commission based on the contract. I have never asked over five years. I'd never asked for a base salary increase. Yeah. Ever. Because yep. I was learning. Because your sales were doing so oh, well. I was, I was creaming it. And so they, but what they didn't see so they saw this big check coming to me, but what they didn't look at was, yes, and the rest of what's left over of, from what you're not paying me is more money for you, mate. That's exactly right. Do you know, I, I was in sales for 10 years as well, and I just remember that so well, and my salary never went up. And at one stage they said, we're going to cap your commission. And I said, why? Because if, I'm, if you're paying me 5% of it or whatever, you're getting 95%. You want me to stop making those sales? But they were like, we're paying you too much. And you just go, yeah. And if I got less sales, you wouldn't be paying me as much. Do you want me to go back? <laughs> you know? I know. It just, it's, it's insanity, right? Yeah. And um, I said to them, and lucky for me, the terms and conditions and how I am paid my commission is in, co in my contract. And so I said to them, unless you get my signature, you can't change it. And I'm not signing that. Yeah. So I was so pissed off with them. I thought, and that's why, and, and I had this fire in my belly about not working for people like that ever again. So I was actually interviewing with Microsoft and some really big players. Yeah. Um, and that's when I was approached by this other smaller company, obviously smaller than Microsoft, 
to Which say, is not hard. Let's be no, honest. no, <laughs> to say, hey, would you come and be the sales manager? And that's why I said only if there's equity on the table. Right. Because okay. I had had a gutful. Yeah. Mm. Very wise and obviously, you know, great learning for anyone who's listening. So after you finished with the company that you had sort of um, part-owned, um, you decided to set up Metisan and Kiss to Sell. And then sort of how has it progressed from then? Can you just tell me a little bit and then um, I'm going to move on to some other sort of slightly different questions. Okay, great. So, yeah, so that was about 10 years ago. Yeah. So in the last 10 years... I've started three businesses, but we're only talking about two today. So then I'm... You can, off- no, you can tell me about the third one. What's the third one? Oh, so I also work with Arbon, which is a direct sales. Oh, Because okay. I love selling. So that's yeah, my, right. I play with that. It's my and phone. It's the, it, that's the vegan skincare, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cool. <laughs> so are you still doing that as well? Yeah. So you've got all three businesses have been going really for eight years then? Uh, yeah, that one's been only going for five. Right. Yeah. So in the last 10 years, I've started three businesses. I've moved house four times. I've had two babies, had my three older stepkids living with me on and off. Right. One time I had all five of them at home and I had to increase yes. my antidepressants. Um, <laughs> truth. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and now I've got both of the kids at school for the last, well, this year and last year, well, kind of this year. And are the stepkids kind of grown up now? Yeah, they're all in their 20s. Okay, great. So, yeah, and so they're not living at home now. So it's just you and hubby and the two kids and three businesses. Oh, and my husband's business as well. He runs his own business too. So. Wow. Yes. So that's all happening. And I bet your two daughters will end, or your two kids will end up running their own business as well. Maybe. Or maybe they'll look at Paul and I and go, I'm definitely not doing that. I don't want any of that. (laughs) (laughs) I doubt it. I doubt it. All right. Now, let me just ask you another few sort of slightly different questions. So because this uh, podcast is for women and it's for women in business, I always ask everyone, are there any women in your journey, in your entrepreneurial journey, who've made a difference that you want to do a shout out one way or the other? Um, And it doesn't matter if there isn't anyone, but it's a question I feel obliged to ask everyone. (laughs) Oh, well, I think what I love about entrepreneurs and women entrepreneurs is just their generosity. Yeah. So So you've had lots. Lots. So I've already mentioned Beck Derrington from Source Bottle, uh, Natalie Giddings. Yes, another uh, another of my faves. Yeah, uh, Fiona Adler, who set up um, Womo. Now living in France. Hi, Fee. As you do. <laughs> uh, so the four of us used to get together. We called ourselves the bag ladies and we helped each other. Great. Um, but there's been so many, so many. Um, oh, that's great. I love energy. hearing about that. Mm. So tell me about some pivotal moments that you've had in terms of successes or challenges. Now, I'm assuming, and things that you've learned from them, I guess. So I'm assuming that with successes, we normally don't learn that much other than how to celebrate. It's much more the challenges that when something happens, you go, oh my God, I'm going to have to change this or I'm going to do that. Have you had any of those along the way? Yeah. So I will start with a success. So I fuddled my way through the first sort of three or four months of my business by experimenting. Right. By going out and talking to people and saying, well, what do you need? 
oh, I can do that. And right. coming, coming around to what I actually wanted to deliver and what fitted. And so now when I talk to women founders who are either in their infancy in their business or just need to re rethink about what they're doing, that's exactly what I recommend. There's nothing better than getting skin to skin um, or Zoom to Zoom in this day and age with your clients and finding out what it is they want, finding right. out what they're interested in, finding out what their problems are. Um, and so I've really learned that that organic approach is fundamental to, to good selling, fundamental to good business. So um, that's one of the things that I've learned. Uh, yep. I think when Iris was, so I, as I said right back at the beginning, I launched Kiss to Sell literally two weeks before Iris was born and yep. she was 13 days overdue. So it was pretty much on her due date that I launched right. business. Gordon Bennett. Because I, <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Because I yeah. knew that babies sleep all the time and I was going to be bored. So... Um, thought you knew because actually oh, I knew nothing I was completely no <laughs> insane completely yeah. without doubt it was that nesting hormone you probably just thought ah oh, look it's just you know I've got everything under control it's going to be easy I'm going to be bored out of my brain that's it that's it so <laughs> you know and and it's okay to fail you know yes. um but I picked myself up and then you know, when Iris was about uh, four or five months old, I got diagnosed with postnatal depression. Um, so I knew that I was, you know, crazy, crazy la la. Yeah. Um, but my psychiatrist said to me, go back to work. And some people didn't understand that in my world. Uh, but to me, it made complete sense. So to me, my, I, you know, I didn't have babies till I was 40. So my work had defined me for yeah. so long. It was, it was a safe place for me. And so I went about making it a safe place again through, through my work. And so that's been hard sometimes because sometimes I go too far that way and the kids go, who are you? I go, I'm your mum. <laughs> <laughs> but it's that yes. balance, you know, and I think what I've learned is that balance is the worst word other than should, balance is the worst word in the English Because it's not true. You just can't It do is it. completely. You know, it's, it's constantly about reassessing. Yeah. And not feeling And guilty. also what's a balance this year or this month even might not be a balance for you in six months or the next week. No, that's right. And, and I've been able to, not always, like sometimes I haven't been honest with that, about other, with other people about that whether yeah. that's my husband or my, you know, the people who help me or my clients. But yeah. when I am honest about that, the response is amazing. So I just encourage everyone to be yourself. And, you know, if you're going through a shitty time, please share it with someone. Uh, no one's going to judge you. And if they do, piss them off anyway. Well, yeah, exactly. If somebody <laughs> judges you for that, then you just go, well, yep, don't yeah. really need you See around. <laughs> But yeah, there's the yeah. I think that's really good advice. So, talk to me about somebody who loves their work and is defined by their work with young kids. In terms of, and I'm not don't mean. I'm just talking about the actual hours you work and how you juggle being a mum and a wife with that. 
Oh, so um, I get up at five. Yeah. I do uh, meditation and my Bible reading from yeah. about five to about 5.30. Yeah. I then do self-study. So yeah. I'm working uh, with some stuff from Bob Proctor at the moment. Okay. Uh, so w- whether it's reading or listening to something or inspiring myself, improving myself. So that takes me normally till about half past six, yeah. seven o'clock. Um, then I will, the night before, I've already written the list, the most important things I need to get done today. Right. So then I will focus on the thing, the first, the most important thing, because I'm best in the morning. I know myself. Not everyone yeah. is like me. So I'm, if you I'm cring- the same as you. I'd yeah. much rather get up at five and finish at three than, um, you know, work through the night. I just couldn't do that at all. I can't work through. No, my brain is mush. Yeah. So I, I get the most important thing done before the kids are even out of bed. So then kind of 7.30 till 9.30, I'm mum. Yeah. Getting the ready, kids ready for school, walking them to school when we're allowed to do that, um, getting them ready for homeschooling. Then, um, then I'm at work and a couple of days a week I put them in um, after school care. Yeah. Not, not at the moment, obviously. But, um, so I get two long days and three shorter days. Right. And then in the evenings, you're switched off. You've just said that's not your... I, I know I don't do any work unless I... Ha- I mean, obviously, there's the odd call or whatever. Yeah. But yeah. Um, otherwise, not working. And weekends are free as well, unless um, there's something urgent. If I'm, I'm writing a book at the moment, so I'm yeah. up on the weekends to do writing. Right. But again, that's early. But I normally give myself one sleep in a week. Okay. Oh, you're good. I, I'm angling for... <laughs> I give myself at least a couple, but I'd love a lot more. Now my kids are a bit older, I've rediscovered the art of lying in. And it's, ah. um, it's a beautiful thing. It's something you forget for about 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to re- rediscovering that. <laughs> yeah, okay. Now here's, here's one that's out of the box for you. Is there a quirky fact about you that most people don't know that you would be prepared to share? Um, I don't know. I'm pretty... You don't have to have one. No, I'm pretty open about everything. I'm just trying to think. Um, Sports, do you hate spiders? Someone told me they didn't have a tummy button. Somebody else said they used to be into synchronised swimming. One woman said to me, Kate Toon said to me, uh, Graham Norton's red chair. She was the first person ever to to be invited from the audience to come in and chat. Wow, how amazing. Have you got anything like that? Somebody won... um, one of those TV shows, you know, where you win awards, <laughs> where you win fridges and all that kind of thing. Oh, no, I don't have anything fun like that. I suppose... Well, you're a twin. That's I'm a, a twin. Fact. I'm Are a you twin. an identical twin? No, fraternal, fraternal. But right. I'll tell you a story. When Ali, um, when we were about 10, Ali said to me, you're dangerous. <laughs> I, I was very she clocked excited. you straight away, didn't she? I know. <laughs> and I was very excited by that. Right. Uh, yeah. And I said, oh, why? And she said, well, I know what you know. And when you talk to other people, you don't lie to them, but you say things with so much conviction and confidence that people think you know more than you do. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I thought to myself but years later, I should have always known that I'd go into sales because that's what selling is. It's not lying. But it is no. 
saying things in a confident, clear way that makes other people have trust confidence you. in you. Yeah, and trust yeah. you. Wow. Okay. Now, last couple of questions, which are all about apps on your phone, because I'm an app person and Ooh. some people aren't. So if you're not, that's fine. But if you are, what are the two most useful apps for business that you use on your phone? I love Otter. <gasps> so do I. Oh. Which is a dictation app for anyone that turns your, your voice into text and then you can PDF it to yourself or whatever, edit it. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yes, and you can hear it as well. So if it gets yeah. words wrong, it doesn't matter. And so when I do Facebook Lives or speak or whatever, I've got Otter on. And so right. then that becomes a blog post. Nice. Very Automatically. nice. Automatically. Mm. Love it. So, so I love else? that one. Uh, yeah. And I love Canva because I, yeah, so I. I secretly think I'm good at it, but I'm probably not. It doesn't really matter because the beauty of Canva is you don't have to be very good and you still look like you're good. So. I know. Who knew? <laughs> That's why we all love it. And then what about playing on your phone? Do you have any apps that are your sort of recreational go-to? Yeah, I, I'm a bit of a gamer. I like, I, like right. the, I like the creation games. Like I'm currently playing Forge of Nations where you right. create a little city and then you've got to produce things and you have an army and you chat to your neighbours. and. Wow, that was not what I was expecting. That's amazing. Mm. Um, yeah, great. Wow, I love that. Well, I'll have to look into those. So, Fran, you are an extraordinary woman and you are so lovely to share all of that with me. Thank you so much. And I'm sure people will get really inspired by this. What a great conversation. I've loved it. Thank you, Jules. And thank you so much for putting these together and putting women at the forefront of so that other women can learn from all, all of the amazing women that you know. Thank you. And one last thing I forgot to say to you. Yes. How do people get hold of you? What's the best way? Uh, probably via my website, kistacell.com.au or .com. Uh, yep. Friend me on Facebook, find me on LinkedIn. I'm pretty accessible. I normally say right. yes to everyone. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks, Jules. I hope you've enjoyed this She's the Boss chat episode. It was great to have you here. If you want to stay in touch, you might also like some of the other things that we've got going on with She's the Boss. Join us for our free Zoom lunches for female founders that we hold online. The best way to do any of these things really is go to she'stheboss.com.au and on there you can register for the lunches and I've also got links to the website. So either way, I hope you've enjoyed it. I'm really enjoying digging down and getting down to the nitty gritty with these women and I hope you'll join me for the next episode.